Welcome to the 24th episode of the Talking Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Will Cheshire, and in this episode, I'm jumping into the world of the everyday Amazon consumer and shopper. Many people who shop on Amazon do it for its convenience amongst their very busy schedules. And many of these people would like to make more sustainable choices while shopping, but the problem is there's not enough time in their busy lives to do all the research that it takes to shop sustainably. So what's the solution? That solution is Finch. Finch is a browser extension that you can download that will give you all the data you want on the products that you are shopping for on Amazon. And Finch founder and CEO Lizzie Horvitz joins me to talk about how her solution can empower the everyday consumer on Amazon to make more sustainable purchases on products they shop for, in addition to getting real-time and accurate, trustworthy data. And we also talk about her journey of starting Finch, how the extension works, and their plans for the future, and more. So let's get into it with the CEO and founder of Finch, Ms. Lizzie Horvitz. Welcome into the Talking Solutions podcast as we're drilling in on another solution here. And in this one, it's a solution that's going to empower consumers, particularly when they're shopping on Amazon, to get information on all of their products and whether or not they are sustainable or not. We have the founder and CEO of Finch, Ms. Lizzie Horvitz, joining us. And Lizzie, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. How are you today? Thank you for having me, Will. I'm great. Awesome, Lizzie. And, and just do us the honors. We talked a little bit about what Finch is prior, but I would love for you in your own words to just tell us exactly what Finch does and why it's such a great solution and it has a positive impact on society. Definitely. So Finch is a platform that decodes products' environmental impacts to help consumers make better purchasing decisions. So what we do is rate products based on a variety of attributes ranging from what's the carbon embodiment, um, what is the water footprint, et cetera. We have about 60 attributes. Um, we give them all a score. And then when you're shopping on Amazon, you type in, you know, a particular brand body wash and we'll show you, okay, this is not, not terrible, but not great. It gets a six out of 10. Here are some alternatives in case you're interested in making a better purchasing decision so people know kind of what they're looking for um, in real time, but also are able to learn, okay, when I'm buying body wash, it's important that I pay attention to X, Y, and Z factors. Um, so it's really just, we're trying to get that in between of like, we're not expecting our consumers to read academic papers. We're also feel, we also feel like there's something better out there than a blog that is not based on any type of data. And so we're, we're capturing that sweet spot right there. Yeah. I love that right there. Using actual tangible metrics. And you mentioned the blog, right? That's not every data. You can find blogs about anything these days. And, and, you know, a lot of times you want to put the faith into the person writing the blog that it's good, but sometimes you, you never know. So it's great to have those actual metrics there that are put in place. So uh, you talked about kind of what it does and, and tell us a little bit about how a user or somebody can use the actual extension. I believe it's a browser extension. So how can they go and download it? And then how does that kind of work on their computer and whatnot, just for people who may not be super tech savvy or understand how that works? Yeah. So extensions, it's funny, they're relatively, they're not that new, but they're not as well known as, as an app on your phone per se. And so it does take a little more explaining. Um, it only works on desktop. That's the first thing we're, we're finding a mobile solution soon, but it's not quite there yet. Um, you go to choosefinch.com or you go to the Chrome store and you type in Finch Insights and there you'll download the extension that goes directly on your desktop. And so once you have that on your desktop, the beauty of this is that you almost never have to think about it again. When you go to amazon.com from now on and it's included in your desktop, 
you will be able to type in these products as mentioned, and then the Finch sort of icon will pop up automatically. So you're sort of always using it when you're shopping. Um, and right now that works only on Amazon. In the future, it will be ideally on you know any e-com site that you go to. Fantastic. Yeah, you're right. Browser extensions, they aren't quite nearly as known as, as a simple application on the phone and whatnot. So it is uh, always kind of interesting to, to make sure that people kind of understand that process and know the great benefits of what extensions can do for you, especially with Finch and with the sustainable products and things of that nature as well. So Lizzie, now that we know what it is, and now that we know how people can download and use it, let's start talking about the solution, have some fun with it as well. So first and foremost, Lizzie, obviously, I think this is a fantastic way for consumers and people who are busy, right? I mean, a lot of people really want to be more sustainable and they're buying in power and they're purchasing decisions, but it can be difficult when you have, you know, the daily tasks of life going around, particularly if you have a family and you work full time and you're running around trying to do all these things. And obviously with what your extension is able to do is it's going to empower that consumer uh, to get that knowledge that they want to have and to make more educated decisions on that front as well. So I'd be curious to know kind of where this idea stemmed from uh, and why it is that you thought, okay, I'm going to be the one that comes up with this solution to, to kind of empower that consumer a little bit and on a, on a platform like Amazon. So tell me a little bit about kind of your story and kind of how that kind of came about and, and where Finch was born, if you will. I have been in the sustainability space for my entire career. I'm a huge science nerd, passionate really about how we can mitigate climate change in the private sector. And so after getting a formal education in this in undergrad and then in business school and a master's of environmental management, I became the person in my sort of larger group of friends and family who who had a real background in this and could um, could answer a lot of questions that people had. So increasingly starting in about 2015, 2016, people started coming to me with questions around, oh my gosh, I just had my first baby. What do I need that's not going to kill the planet? Or I'm worried about like the human health concerns of my sunscreen. What ingredient should I avoid? And everything. I was unable to answer these questions. I didn't even know how to do the research myself because as I mentioned earlier, you know, the way that the internet is, is organized right now is you have a bunch of like scientific papers that are peer reviewed, which are absolutely based in data and factual, but I can't really point, you know, my cousin towards those because she's not going to spend that time reading them. Um, And then on the other side, these bloggers are oftentimes very well intentioned, um, but they're often getting paid by these companies to sponsor them. They do not have a scientific background and they are sort of a product of this greenwashing world that we're living in where we're throwing around words like eco-friendly, all natural, but they don't mean anything. And so um, I started thinking about like, when you have a sustainability question, if you Google, can I recycle this? Or what is this impact of sunscreen? You get a bunch of different articles online and you don't know which one to trust. There should be one single source of truth. And that's really what Finch is trying to do. Um, we like to think of ourselves as trying to become the nerd wallet for sustainability. So what nerd wallet did for personal finance, you know, if you have any questions about your mortgage or um, which credit card you should get, nerd wallet is your one-stop shop. We can do the same thing with sustainability. And I think, I think I'm the right person to do that. Or I thought at the time, and I still think this holds true because, you know, I live in a community of people that to your point, care about climate change, want to do something about it, but they're not these like zero waste heroes who are vowing to never fly again or, you know, not using any plastic for months and months. So it's, it's a normal group of people that I'm surrounded by every day that want 
better solutions and I think they deserve them. I agree hundred percent. Yeah. I think that that's, that's really what it kind of boils down to. Right. I mean, a lot of times with, with climate solutions and things of that nature, you know, sometimes you get kind of a little bit more of a black and white uh, argument and we won't dive into the politics or anything like that, but you know, you get the people who just deny that it doesn't exist or whatever. Then you get the ones that say, well, I can't fly. I can't eat meat. I can't do all these types of things. Right. Which, which is fine in, in and of its own, but you're kind of excluding that big percentage of gray area of the people that, you know, want to make better decisions. They just don't want to cut everything completely out or go one way or another. And so I think that's where Finch really does a fantastic job at kind of empowering them as well on that front. So I'd be curious to know, Lizzie, as well, what are you finding with uh, some of these brands and some of these things that people are generally buying on a regular basis, you know, whether it be, you know, things like toilet paper or cleaning supplies or anything like that? I mean, what, what types of data have you been seeing? Are a lot of these products in and of themselves sustainable to begin with? Are they not? Are some more than others? Are you getting good feedback? So many questions so we can dive into in a minute, Lizzie. But uh, I really just want to know, like, were some of the discoveries when you first kind of starting out with a lot of the products that people were purchasing? To answer your first question or to speak to your first point about that gap, it is so much bigger than than you or your listeners might might know about. It's actually like 67% of the population wants to make better purchasing decisions only 26 end up doing so. And when we dig into the data of why that is, it's essentially like, I don't know how, I don't trust the data, or I don't have time. And so we really think that Finch is sort of checking all those boxes at the same time, because, you know, our world has turned into a, an area in which it is so black and white. And if you're not, you know, in Washington, D.C., protesting with Jane Fonda, then you're not a real environmentalist. And that's just not true, right? Like we all can can do our part and it all makes a big difference. And so um, that I think is is Finch's differentiator in many ways is that we really are going after that middle group of, group of people. In terms of the products, we are finding really, really interesting data. We have an all-star scientist named Mark who is doing the majority of the, of the research for us. And one thing that we found particularly interesting are the... Um, the thoughts around using reusable products versus single use um, and some surprising insights that it might not be as bad as you think to use these single use products at times. Um, one example that we use is with straws. Um, you know, we've all seen those pictures of, you know, turtles with plastic straws stuck in their noses or these wildlife in the ocean getting just demolished by um by plastic. And while that's a really horrible thing, no question about it, the carbon impact of, or I'm sorry, the climate impact of making reusable products also has its downsides, right? And so there's no really one answer that's going to fix everything. In other words, when you use a metal straw, you need to use that straw probably around 300 times before it becomes worth it from a climate standpoint. Whereas if you get a plastic straw, the chances of it ending up in the ocean are just one in seven, but the climate impacts are much reduced. So I'm not suggesting that everybody not care about metal straws and, and goes and uses plastic ones. But if you're buying a metal straw and you're only going to use it once or twice, it's absolutely not the not not a good decision. Similar with if you go to the grocery store and you forget your if you forget your reusable bag in the car, the answer is not to buy another reusable bag, which has a massive carbon intensity. Um, it's to get a plastic bag, sort of slap yourself on the wrist and vow not to do that again. But the plastic bag 
as a single use um, is not that bad. It's just when you use it every single day or when you get a new bag every single day, that's just going to go into the trash or the ocean. Does that make sense? It does. It makes a lot of sense because it has to be reused. Like let's use the grocery bag as an example. Like you said, I would imagine you have to use that grocery reusable bag a certain amount of times before, for a longevity standpoint, certain amount of times before that carbon impact of the reusable bag is less than the plastic. And so you make a great point. And I've lived in a couple cities where, you know, plastic bags are outlawed at the store, right? Like Mexico City, for example, uh, you use reusable bags. What I oftentimes see in a lot of the apartments I stay in and things of that nature is a giant thing of reusable bags, just loads, like way too many. Like you, you could never take 15 of these to the store and actually be able to, you know, walk home and take them back. And so that's a really, really interesting point that I don't think people are aware of that, hey, oh, I'll just buy another reusable bag because it's better for the environment. Well, yes, but over a long period of time versus a one-stop shop, the plastic bag actually has a lesser carbon impact than the reusable bag. Is that kind of correct? Am I understanding that correctly? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And I find that really interesting actually as well. And and, and that kind of leads me to an, an educational style question on that front too. And, and something that you had mentioned that Finch is kind of looking to, to be in that nerd wallet side of things as well. Uh, how much of education kind of plays a role in uh, in your product and in your maybe marketing strategy and things of that nature as well so that people are aware of that solution because this is all just in my own experience I have zero data to back this up but I would guess that if you were going to ask people what would be a better choice what would you do because everybody just says plastic is terrible plastic is awful which you know it is for the most part really it's just a conveniency but I guarantee most people would buy a reusable bag again over a plastic bag just for that one time but really what you're saying the stats the data shows that that's actually worse for your carbon impact. Exactly. Education is such a huge part of what we do. And, you know, it takes a long time to get a software rating system that's powered by machine learning set up. And so for the first, I would say, year of operation, Finch was really an educational content company. Um, And we hope to stick to our roots from that forever, as long as we exist. Um, I think that you know, the interesting data that we've found is that the amount of information that people want to see varies significantly. So, you know, and it doesn't, it doesn't matter how experienced you are in the, in the subject. So for example, we have some PhDs in sustainability who are like, I'm going to use this, but I just need, I just, I trust you guys. I just want to see the score and I don't want to see anything else. I don't really care. I just want to know what I'm supposed to buy in real time. And then we have like, second grade teachers who have never taken a sustainability class, but really want to get into the weeds of why we're telling them certain things. So they want to know why the shampoo is better than that one, or why cloth diapers might not always be the best choice, et cetera, et cetera. So we've had to find this middle ground and we're still actually searching for it. I don't think we've, we've found it exactly yet where we're giving just enough information to appease those um, who really want to get in the weeds but not so much data that we're overwhelming people who are like, I just want to get in and get out and I'm not interested. Exactly. Just kind of that sweet spot, if you will, right? Exactly. And then so just uh, tell us a little bit, you mentioned uh, earlier while you were describing what it is and how you rate things, whether that's through, you know, the climate, water, human well-being and whatnot a little bit as well, and, and how difficult it kind of is to kind of aggregate and get those scores and whatnot as well. So what are the uh, exact main, I think you have, if I remember correctly, about six roughly measures of, of how you rate things, if that's correct, with, with the human, the, the water and stuff and things of that nature as well. Uh, why those six and why are they so important that people need to be aware of and when making purchasing decisions for sustainability? So the six are climate footprint, water footprint, human well-being, 
ecological waste raw materials. And then we actually have a seventh that we find equally important, which is um, real reviews. It's a, it basically is, do people like using this product? Because we don't want to recommend something that is great for the environment, but that people won't use to its fullest extent, right? Because the, the least sustainable thing you can do is buy something, whatever it is, and then let it go to waste. And so um, with those six, you know, we, we went back and forth quite a bit with all the different factors. And we found that those six really embodied the most holistic way of looking at what what is the impact on the planet and on ourselves and the people making these um, these products. And it really covers the gamut. You know, I think it's the difficulty that we've had is we feel strongly that social impacts are a huge factor into sustainability. It's not just about saving the earth, but it's making sure that these people are taken care of. And, you know, climate solutions are intersectional. It it has to do with poverty and racial issues and a lot of like really socially focused um, issues. And so we want to integrate those, but the problem is they're less quantifiable, right? So how do you how do you measure the importance of having a black CEO of a company or um, a company that doesn't use child labor per se? So many of those, I would say five out of those six are all, okay, climate has 80% of the impact, water has 20% of the impact. You can really get down to, to granular numbers. The social factors we found to be difficult in terms of finding a way to integrate, you know, um, how to, how to account for them. Sure. And that's always going to be a challenge, right? Because like you had mentioned in, in your explanation there, there are just so many moving parts going on with that. It's very difficult to actually get a tangible data, but from a sustainability factor and, you know, what ingredients are being used and things of that nature as well. I think that that's really important, tangible data that people are kind of seeing uh, on that front. And then of course, with the social impact, you make a great point with climate being just kind of an intersectional, right? I mean, it really does affect so many different things uh, on that front, but what I would like to know, and, and you've mentioned to some of these things a little bit, is just with your explanation in terms of, you know, the nerd wallet dream and things of that nature and becoming the go-to spot for information on sustainable products and things of that nature. And you got a mobile app kind of coming soon, it sounds like, or, or at least making it available on mobile. What are the long-term vision and plans of Finch? You know, what is it that you're hoping to accomplish? Obviously, uh, an early uh, age startup kind of at this time. And so what do you kind of foresee in the next year, five years uh, to Finch and, and how it's going to be impacting the buyer's journey into making more sustainable purchasing decisions? So I think our long-term goal is to make it as easy as possible for our consumers to get this information. And to be honest, it's too early for us to tell if the browser extension is something that will grow significantly and everybody will be willing to put that on their desktop or if it's more of a B2B play where we directly work with Amazon, Google, et cetera, um, to integrate those scores directly, right, via an API. And so um, we don't really, when I think of my five-year vision or even my one-year, to be honest, I don't have like, we're going to have millions of users on this extension. I just know that we will have a solution that gives that democratizes this type of data, right? You do not need a science degree. You don't need 20 minutes of your day. You just need to have, whether it's an app or access to the internet, um, to be able to find this information. And so I think right now we're starting with consumer goods. Um, in my short-term goal, you know, we would love to get to more durables like furniture, jewelry, cars, clothing, you know, things that people don't buy every single day, but um, 
still have a very big climate impact. Um, and then with that, you know, we'd like to get on as many e-com platforms as possible. Um, and down the road, you know, maybe go beyond writing products and we think about how we can democratize the recycling data, for example, which is such a disaster. It's so localized. You basically have to go on your town website to figure out, you know, can Denver recycle pizza boxes? Because they can in, you know, this other area, but maybe not in here. So it just gets very complicated. And I'm excited to just be able to be the source where if someone wants to know anything under the sun around sustainability, we are that go-to, whether it has to do with shopping, recycling, what have you. Oh, I think that's fantastic. I think that's fantastic. At the very beginning, you, you talked a lot about, you know, whether the browser extension is the right play to start, right? Obviously, in early age startup, especially in the product space, like, you know, you're doing a lot of analyzing of your data, seeing what the customers are doing, user interviews, all that type of good stuff. But I'd be curious to, to kind of see what are you seeing from the browser extension? You know, you kind of mentioned it earlier on that, you know, it's, not as popular as like an app. Maybe some people don't even know what they are type things. So what are you kind of finding at the very beginning in terms of your growth, in terms of using the extension and feedback you're kind of getting as well? I imagine the feedback's probably pretty good based on uh, based on what it does. But where are you at in, in kind of that process of trying to determine, yeah, what is going to be the best way to get this in front of people so we can be the go-to source for all things kind of sustainability in the purchasing uh, marketplace? We're getting great feedback. And what I love about this stage is that we're early enough so that we can actually have a real relationship with our users. We have 800 users right now. We're still very small. I'm emailing people from my personal email saying like, hey, I'm the founder. I want to really thank you for being early an early adopter. Let me know how we can improve this experience for you. You know, I have people emailing me who might not even have the extension downloaded who are saying like, can you help me with A, B, and C? And so we we write something up for them. So that personal relationship that we have with our users right now is really special. And I am trying to sort of savor this time because I know that if all goes well, you know, we're not going to be able to have a one-on-one -on -one relationship with millions of users. Um, candidly, it's too soon to know, you know, because we only have 800 users, it's too soon to know, like, generally, if people are willing to switch more on shampoo than deodorant or individual product decisions. Um, we're still kind of waiting on that type of information. But overall, I think with our extension, we've found that it's easier for people to download. They're more willing to download it. I'm sorry, it's it's harder to get people to download it initially. Um, but then once they have it, they use it significantly more, unlike the data that you get from a mobile app where, I don't know about you, I have probably 15 apps on my phone that I've never opened. I downloaded and then I never looked at again. That just doesn't happen with an extension. And that's the beauty of it is that you get to, um, like you almost forget that it exists, right? Every single time you shop, you're like, oh my gosh, and, and I can find out how sustainable it is. Um, and so that's sort of the the main excitement with the extension. And the other thing that's been interesting is that there have been a mix of concerns around their privacy and, and data. Obviously, that's of utmost concern to us. We want to make sure that we're protecting everybody's privacy. Um, and in our business model, we sell we sell some of this data back to brands to show like, okay, here are the people who are interested or here are the types of people who will shop for shampoo and are willing to pay an extra $3, but not an extra four. We will never sell personal data it's all anonymized, you know, so you are a man of a certain age in a certain city and no more than that. And the ironic thing is that, you know, 
some people have problems with that. Some people just don't want their information to be shown. But the point that we're trying to get across is A, we will never sort of sell your personal data. And B, unfortunately, the sad reality is if you've ever Googled anything or made an email address, it's already out there. Like everything about you is unfortunately already in sort of that ecosystem. And I know that that's not the best, the best thing to say to sort of comfort people. But our point is that we're, we're not, we're not sharing any more data than, um, than is already been, uh, sort of given. Right. And I think another important part of what you had just mentioned with that data as well is that you're not just giving data to any random advertisers, right? You're giving data to uh, companies that are pushing to create more sustainable products, meaning the people that use your extension anyway are going to be people that want these companies to succeed that have more sustainable products. So I think that's another great point that you have with the data and it's anonymous and things of that nature. The, you're right. The sad reality is, is each and every one of us, if we've done a single Google search or made a Facebook profile or Gmail or whatever, all of our data uh, kind of is already out there on that front as well. So uh, you, you, made a, you said an interesting stat earlier that I think is really, really important to kind of talk about um, a little bit. And I want to go back to it. I believe you said, uh, and I'm going to get the exact number wrong, that I think 68% of people want... Yeah. 67% of people, so close, 67% of people, you know, want to be more sustainable in their purchases, but only 24%. Is that right? 26. 26. Okay. In the ballpark. 26, yeah. 26% uh, are the only ones doing it. And Finch is this solution to kind of help solve that for it as well. Do you see that kind of extrapolating into a lot of other things? Because you had mentioned for the sustainability type of stuff and then the social impact stuff, and you're trying to kind of measure uh, from that human perspective as well. As you kind of grow and uh, understand, you know, who's using Finch more often and, you know, those types of things as well, do you kind of foresee that this is going to extrapolate into other industries as well, just not sustainability, but in other solutions in general, whether it might be, you know, a more equitable workplace or things of that nature as well? Do you kind of think that a big part of the issue that we have here is just getting the ease of the solution in versus the desire of the people, if that makes sense? It makes sense. It's a really good question that nobody's ever asked me before. And I, so I have to think about it. I, I think for sure, I would love if this bled into other, um, other industries. That's not my, I'm not going to do that job because I'm just so focused on sustainability, but I think, I think it's a great lever. I think one of the things that's, that makes it more complicated with sustainability is the, um, it can be kind of an elitist community of people who are like, you're not going to understand this. So I'm not going to explain it to you. And, um, you know, every answer that you get is it depends, right? If you take a simple question, like, is a metal straw better than a plastic straw? It depends. Right. And so that I, th I think the need is more in sustainability than in a lot, a lot of other cat categories where things are a little more cut and dry and you can really get down to these, perfect numbers, but sustainability is so nuanced. Every single answer has, you know, five asterisks next to it. And so I think that's what we're hoping for. And I think what's interesting is that we, we kind of have two different types of customers. The first is the customer that's like, oh my gosh, I've been looking for something like this forever. Thank you for sort of filling this gap. But then I would argue there's, and I don't know the exact numbers off the top of my head, but I think the larger number is people who didn't even know that this was a problem, right? They were, they maybe spent five seconds thinking about sustainability, but then we're like, this isn't, I can't find an easy answer. So I'm not even going to try. 
Um, and these are people who are now like, okay, now I can finally integrate sustainability into my, into my purchasing. But beforehand I wasn't right. I think about, and I'm, I've been trying for two years to think of a different example, cause this is kind of unclear, but I'll do my best. I think about when, when the iPad came out, people were like, why would you ever need an iPad? I have an iPhone and I have a computer. Why would I ever need something in between, right? And Steve Jobs' brilliance was that he taught people what they needed before they even knew that they needed it. And I hope that that is a similar thing for Finch, where sometimes when we interview people, they say, no, sustainability doesn't come up as um, as a factor to, to purchasing things. Um, but then when it exists, um, it sort of changes the game, similar to like now you'd be hard pressed to find a lot of people who don't own iPads, right? And don't see the value of it. Um, although they never said like, I wish I had this computer that was half the size. Um, and so I don't know if that makes any sense. I'm trying to like think of a better example, but that's the one that I can come up with where like people just, I think a lot of people didn't know that this was something that was missing from their lives until it existed. No, I think it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense because again, this is one of those things where, you know, the human mind, we can only think about so many things so often, so much of the time. Right. And, and what you're providing is something that allows us to make great decisions when it comes to sustainability and products, but without having to do all the thinking involved to figure it out. Cause like you said, it's very gray area. It's very complex metal straw, plastic straw, reusable bag, plastic bag for this one time, you know, things of that nature. And, and, and so I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, I bought my mom an iPad for Christmas. She already has a, a MacBook and then an iPhone, you know what I mean? Exactly. And, and it's because it solves a fit and a need for certain other things. So I think it makes a lot of sense on that front and, and, and it's really useful for the individuals. I would be curious to see how it progresses um, in, the, in, in the information that you get from, from users as you grow into the thousands and, and you kind of keep going because I do feel like it's one of those things where once people are aware that it exists and hopefully this helps, anybody listening, go download it, check it out. Um, and hopefully this helps and, and it will provide that, that kind of uh, light bulb moment, if you will, where you're like, oh, this is so great and sustainable products and things of that nature. One thing I'm curious to ask is on the flip side of it. So we've talked a lot about the consumer and how this is going to enhance them to make good purchasing decisions. Now, there could be some brands that are either going to be really excited about this or maybe not so excited at the same time, depending on their practices. So how much of that uh, kind of goes into it? Do you have any conversations with brands or anything like that? Or, or what does that side of the coin kind of look like? You know, our goal at the end of the day is to really create a world in which Finch doesn't need to exist because every product is working with the same rules and being as sustainable as they can possibly be, right? And so it all comes back to really like how these brands are making their products. And we are hoping that a couple of things will happen. First, brands will see that there's an easy way for consumers to find out how they're actually making their products. And if they're good, they will use that for marketing purposes, right? And if they're not doing well, they'll take this as an opportunity to improve their score, right? So we're, you know, in our long-term plan that I didn't mention earlier is a kind of consulting arm where we say, you got a six out of 10 on this product. Let's, let's help you get to a nine out of 10. Let's share with you exactly what is making the biggest factors because, you know, many of these companies are not the Unilevers and the PNGs of the world who have entire sustainability teams. These are small startups who cannot afford a sustainability consultant or a chief sustainability officer. And for those people, 
I've talked to so many of those startups. They want to do the right things. They want to package appropriately, but they um, they just don't know where to start. And so we think that Finch can help them a lot there. The other thing is we're all craving more transparency. You know, Finch is obviously to make our lives easier, but also Gen Z cares so much about companies disclosing everything that they're doing and making sure that they're sort of good, quote unquote, um, that any company that comes to us and says, like, I think our score is wrong because you you didn't use all this data, et cetera. We say that's fine, but you need to post that publicly somewhere. You need to post everything that you're doing because you as if you're just telling us that you're paying for carbon offsets, we can't take your word for it. And by the way, you're all you're doing is hurting yourself, right? You're sort of like, there's no advantage to holding information back if you think you're making the right decisions. Exactly right. I mean, there's no need for it. You can have full transparency and you can say, hey, test me, try me out. You know, this is it. This is what I do. And and then, you know, you're not going to have any problems if that's the case. It's if, you know, maybe not um, implementing those practices that you say you are where you might run into kind of some of those issues on that front as well. So uh, I think that that's yeah, I think that that's a really interesting kind of point. Curious to hear, um, are there any other kind of brands or, or things in the space as well that uh, are doing some similar things in your nature uh, as you are and in, in ways that you guys can kind of all kind of work in a cohesive manner or maybe just iterate ideas off of one? One another or whatever, because I know that a sustainability is obviously a huge, huge business in this point right now. You mentioned sustainability consultants and things of that nature. So what has been your experience just being in the startup space, in the, in, in the world of sustainability and whatnot? Uh, what type of experience have you had and, and what type of people have you been meeting? And I imagine it's probably pretty exciting. Oh, I have so many ways to answer that. I think the first thing that I've loved is seeing so many people who have backgrounds in not in sustainability, who are now putting their energy towards sustainable solutions, right? And that's really what we need. Sustainability is um, requires a lot of different skill sets. And so I love nothing more than seeing people who have backgrounds in finance or graphic design or law who are now using those skills um, for the better. We're seeing it in technology all the time. And so the community of people is pretty fantastic. I love the Slack channels that I'm in that are all around, you know, how people can get more involved in the climate startup space. Um, there are a lot of companies doing things very similar to what Finch is doing. Uh, it's funny, when I started the company, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe how smart I am. This, I can't believe this doesn't exist yet. And then little did I know after I did like five minutes of research, plenty of people have tried this before since like the 1980s. And I think the reason it hasn't really taken off has been twofold. The first is um, timing has so much to do with it. We are just like striking the iron while it's hot. We're at a really exciting time. And so I think that will work in Finch's favor, having nothing to do with me or my team or anything. It's just partly luck. But the other difference is um, what we keep talking about, which is that a lot of these past companies have been marketing towards 5% of the population who have turned their lives upside down to be more sustainable. And we love those people, but that's not going to make you a successful venture-backed company. Um, it's just not scientifically, it's not going to be scalable enough. And so um, I think that is not only a differentiator from, from what's happened in the past, but if, even with a lot of our competitors, we're seeing um, you know, their, their market is really a much smaller group. Um, but we're all, you know, the way that I think about competition is 
there aren't going to be a million extensions that people download in the sustainability space. So in, in some ways, like it is a race to who's going to get sort of the name in this space. On the other hand, and, and something that we feel much more strongly about, you know, the, the more that this is coming up in the news, in um, in these Slack channels, et cetera, the, the better chance we all have of, of success. And so I think that, you know, when I hear about other companies that are that are similar or tangential to Finch, I think it's a generally a really great thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and who knows? I mean, maybe there's collaboration opportunities as, as time passes and things progress and, you know, things of that nature as well. You never know how things might um, kind of pan out on that front. But, you know, after speaking with you, Lizzie, just throughout this podcast episode and then, you know, doing my own diligent research and whatnot of Finch and the extension and things of that nature as well, I have to say I think that my favorite part of this solution is kind of a theme that we've been talking about kind of throughout the podcast in that it is not for one extreme or another. It's for the everyday person that is trying to make good decisions, uh, but is just overwhelmed with the amount of things that they have to do in their daily lives. And this kind of complements them well. And, and they're a great demographic to kind of target because, you know, I think a lot of people are well-intentioned when it comes to sustainability. I think if they are brought in with information that's not going to require them to spend hours of time trying to do stuff. Maybe I'm just naive in my faith in people, but I think uh, a lot of people, in my opinion, would be more than happy to implement this kind of solution uh, to buy from better products from from companies that are more ethical from from the environmental standpoint to uh, labor wages to you know things of all that kind of nature as well. So I'm kind of curious to, to ask you a little bit uh, more in depth about that question, just specifically, uh, why were you able to just kind of focus in and, and do that instead of doing what other companies like you mentioned are doing and kind of targeting that 10%? Why did you say, you know what, I'm going to just do the the everyday uh, neighbor down the road who might want to have this kind of good solution. So where did you kind of come up with that versus instead of doing that 10% where, you know, you might get more rabid fans, if you will, of your product? I think it came out of my aversion to shaming. Um, I think part of the reason the environmental uh, the environmental movement has not gotten as far as it should have is because so many environmentalists make other people feel guilty. And the last thing, you know, when you're told every everything that you're doing is bad and going to kill the planet, that doesn't make you galvanized to go make changes. That just makes you dig in your heels in many ways. Um, and so you know, one of the first things that I did when I started Finch was I hired a, a branding and, and sort of messaging team uh, who are indispensable. They're still with us. And they really created this brand that was open and it used bright colors. It wasn't dark green. It wasn't like shameful of like, if you don't do this, the world will end. It has to be an optimistic answer for people. And um that was just from a personal standpoint, really important to to me and to our ethos as a company to make sure that uh, it's accessible to everybody. I think going with that, um, I was an environmental history major in undergrad, and I'm really passionate about sort of studying the different phases of sustainability throughout our lifetime, mostly starting in the 1960s. Um, and I think we've gone through so many interesting phases of, of late, you know, we had the sort of crunchy phase, which was like, if you're not camping in Yosemite, then like, you're not a real environmentalist, right? And then it was um, sort of this, this Gwyneth Paltrow goop movement of like, you have to be drinking a green juice that was $16. And that's the most sustainable way to be. And frankly, it left out a lot of people it left out a huge BIPOC population, it, it left out um, people of lower incomes. And that, frankly, like, 
those are oftentimes the people who care most about sustainability and who are affected the most and making the biggest difference. So we needed a brand that sort of spoke to those people in a way that we didn't find other brands doing. Love that answer. That is I'm biased because that's what I believe as well. I mean, shaming people isn't going to get any anywhere uh, at anything. Um, you know, it's only about listening and education and, and all those types of great things. So I love what you're talking about. I love what you're doing with Finch and and, and kind of empowering the consumer to make educated buying decisions when it comes through sustainability on Amazon. You know, obviously everybody is on Amazon. That's another thing. You know, as much as people will talk terrible and hate Amazon, they all still use Amazon. So. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, why not create a solution that's that's going to at least make it better educated decisions? And who knows? Maybe it gets so good, like you mentioned, and maybe the key is Amazon decides, hey, we're going to we're going to implement this via your API, which is just a way to pull data from another uh, source for those of you that, that aren't, you know, tech people, if you will, and then display that on another website. So, again, I think it's all fantastic. Lizzie. My number one goal here is to try to create ways so people can support you and download and, and use it as well, because I think what you got going on with Finch uh, is great. I hope that um, you succeed in being the nerd wallet of the sustainability world, if you will. So how can people hop on and support? Obviously, we know that you can download the extension and, uh, you know, whatever browser that you're using, you can, you know, get the extension downloaded. Uh, but what are some other ways that people can support you, whether it's through, I don't know, social media or blog reading or anything of that nature? Thank you so much, Will. So I think the first thing is if people have any questions around, uh, their own footprint or, or suggestions on how we can do better. We always love emails. So shoot us an email at hey at choosefinch.com. And then on social, we're at choosefinch on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and we would love if you followed us there. Love it. And then Lizzie, uh, just an opportunity for you as well. Is there anything that uh, you feel like we missed or any information that you want out there about Finch um, that uh, people should know about? No, I don't think so. I think we're all set. I This was so fun. Thank you. Well, that's the sign of a good podcast episode then, Lizzie, isn't it? So thank you so much. Thank you so much for for coming on uh, this edition of the Talking Solutions podcast. I really look forward to following your journey with Finch, utilizing it uh, on my own browser extension as well. I think right after this, I'm going to send it over to my sister. She would, I think, love uh, this type of solution. Uh, yeah. for her to do her shopping on Amazon and whatnot as well. And, you know, I'm from the Seattle area, so Amazon's a, a bigger deal over there than maybe in most parts for better or worse. I'll be sure to uh, pass this information along to friends and family as well uh, as an opportunity to make it a better experience overall. So, Lizzie, thank you so much for for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate your time. Thanks, Will. Talk to you soon. That's uh, Lizzie Horvitz joining us here on the Talking Solutions podcast. She is the founder and CEO of Finch & Finch does a lot of great things. And one thing it does is it gives you product insights that are based on science. It is a browser extension and a tool that you'll be able to use to get the ins and outs of sustainability on the products that you are buying. And then also in the future, hopefully as well, uh, that'll expand to a lot more and to be a, a place where you can go for all things sustainability. So be sure to help aid in that process download the extension. Again, you can do so with any browser and then of course, uh, give them a follow on social media. And then of course, we'll have them on our Instagram and highlight them on our new website that is coming soon on chestech.com. You'll be able to learn a little bit more about Finch and Lizzie and then to figure out ways to support them by visiting the website as well. So 
that is going to wrap up this edition of the Talking Solutions podcast. I appreciate appreciate everyone out there listening. As always, if you enjoyed it, we'd appreciate a review. You can drop that down on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or subscribe to us on all three channels as well, including YouTube. So until next time, I hope everybody has a great rest of their week. Thanks for listening to the Talking Solutions podcast. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode and check out all of our guests on our website at cheshtech.com. That's C-H-E-S-H-T-E-C-H.com to learn more as we continue our mission of supporting impact-driven founders. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Talking Solutions Podcast and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Talking Solutions. If you liked this episode, I'd really appreciate a review and a recommendation to a friend as we focus on highlighting these great founders and individuals providing solutions to societal problems and bringing optimism into the world.